0: Welcome on into the Kiwi Football Fix for another week. And this week there is only one thing that you should be... Well, there are two things that you should be concerned about. The Wellington Phoenix are playing in the A-League. But the main thing, the main story this week and for the next week as well is OFC WCQ. That's Oceania Football Confederations' World Cup qualifying. After the longest time, we are finally here. We are about to see the All-Whites in Qatar... Try and qualify for that intercontinental playoff later in the year. Seems a pretty good time to bring into the show the one, the only, the head coach of the All Whites, Danny. Hey, Danny, great to see you, mate. How are you?
1: Yeah, very good. What an intro. What yeah. an intro. Uh, nah, it's good. We've been here in Doha for uh, the last 11 days. Um, the players over the last couple, uh, we've managed to have a couple of training sessions. So, yeah, we're settling in.
0: Danny, after all of the the false starts, after all of the COVID delays, how ready are you and your All Whites for the, channel, the challenge that lies ahead of you? Oh,
1: well, look, it, I'm not going to lie. It's been a it's been a real challenge, obviously scheduling of this um, this World Cup qualifying tournament, uh, the fact that it you know the first couple of games are outside the window, but I think we've Worked really hard and the players uh, and their club environments, their coaches, their, um, their sporting directors have been really open to, to working with us. And I think we're, we're in a pretty good space that we've got a good group of players now that are, like I said, starting to arrive in Doha and getting ready for this first game against Papua New
0: Guinea. How are you feeling personally? Because as All Whites head coach, I suppose there is a little bit of pressure, especially in a tournament like this where the All Whites are favourites. So how are you, how does that sit with you personally?
1: Well, look, I know exactly, you know, we're, we're expected to win. And the players are well aware of that. Um, so there is pressure on our shoulders. It's the first time we're, we're going in under my tenure where there's some, some real expectation. Um, and look, and I think we have to embrace that. That's just the reality of, of where we're at. We've, you know, had a had a, had a great year last year in terms of the Olympics, um, some really meaningful and quality build-up games in October and November. So we've had time together. Um, so we feel like we're in a good space. And I think the thing that we just need to focus on is our processes, both our processes on the pitch and off the pitch and how we connect as a group. And I think if we do that over the couple of weeks, we'll be in a pretty good
0: space. How do you um, protect against complacency? Because, look, uh, whether you think it or not, um, a lot of the nations that you're coming up against in this competition, uh, they're they're not professional athletes, they're not professional footballers, yet your all-white squad are. So it may creep in at some point. How do you attempt to stamp that out if it does?
1: Yeah, look, again, that comes down to um, our processes and I think the standards that we've tried to set... Um, and again, it'll just be a few little reminders. You know, 95 if not 100% of our players have played against uh, the Island Nations before, whether it be at all-white level or under-20, under-17 level. Uh, and they know how difficult these teams are and how unpredictable they can be. And if you give them a leg up or an opportunity, you can you can really get punished. Um, I only need to look back to, to my era. and... and It wasn't even in the islands. It was in Adelaide, I think, around 2005. A team that had Simon Elliott, Ryan Nelson, some of our greats, losing 4-2 to Vanuatu. So, look, the reality is um, the island nations have some really good, dangerous quality attacking players. And if we show any sort of complacency, um, we could very quickly come unstuck.
0: How close to your best possible squad is the squad that you've assembled for these qualifiers in Qatar?
1: Yeah, well, look, it's, a, it's been a, a real sort of jigsaw puzzle that we've tried to tried to put together. Uh, as most people will be aware, we've got a group of players that are here right from the start. Uh, a number of those will be leaving us after Game 2, so after we play against Fiji. Uh, we'll have more players joining us around that period and then a few more a little bit further on into, into the actual international window. So, yeah, it's been... Um, it's been difficult, actually, trying to trying to pull it all together. But that said, I'm really happy with you know the thirty odd players that will be joining us over this over this period. And all of them are going to play a crucial part. Um, it's obviously a little bit disappointing that you know the likes of somebody like Sapreet Singh can't join us uh, due to injury. Um, but look, that's just the nature of football. We're going to go through periods where players are uh, are either uh, you know suffering with injury or illness, and we just have to. Know, rely on the depth and the quality that we do have within our squad.
0: Has it been the most challenging squad to pull together? Uh, you, you talk about the FIFA window and, and how the, the tournament itself actually extends beyond that window. Um, COVID issues and protocols that you have to face. The, the likes of Saparit Singh not being available. Michael Boxall is kind of a maybe as well. So in terms of challenges throughout your all-whites head coach tenure, where does this rank?
1: Oh, without, without a shadow of a doubt, it's, it's probably been the most difficult uh, you know, time to try and pull a squad together. Uh, and you, you couple with that, the, the recognition and understanding from us that you know, there's expectation, we're under pressure to win. Um, that said, you know, we're, in a, we're in a better space, and I've said it for a long time, better space than we ever have been in terms of the amount of players we've got playing in good quality professional environments. Um, and so we're, we're now, you know, it's the first opportunity I've had to work with some of these players. I think of uh, the likes of Costa Barbarouss, who hasn't played for the national team for four and a half years. And uh, for various reasons, you know, family family issues, club issues um, that have kept him out. But he's absolutely chomping at the bit. He's arrived. He's in fantastic shape. He's trained incredibly well over the last couple of days. Um, so somebody like Costa, you know, is, is a bit of a breath, breath of fresh air into the environment. So we're very, very fortunate that we do have uh, you know, quite a bit of depth now, better than we've ever had before, in my opinion.
0: Danny, before we start talking a little bit more about um, particular players that you've got at your disposal, I, I want to me- make mention of the fact that these are still COVID times. Omicron is running rampant here in New Zealand. And we know that uh, the last time you tried to have a- an international tour, the Uzbekistan match was cancelled because of... Uh, an outbreak within the team. So, what what happens this time around if the same thing happens, and and what measures are the All Whites taking to ensure that COVID doesn't breach Camp All White?
1: Yeah, look, we're we're obviously working hard um, as a as a management. Obviously, the, the, the players have to have to sort of uh, really buy into that in terms of um, trying to stay as safe as we possibly can and not allow it to to creep in again. Um, Incredibly, there is no official testing in this tournament, um, but obviously for us as a group, uh, we're going to try and take every single precaution that we can. Uh, I think we've brought over in the vicinity of 1,500 um, rat tests. So, look, we're uh, we're in a pretty good space. Um, having been through that, and it was disappointing at the time, missing out on that uh, opportunity to play against Uzbekistan, um, but we did learn a lot from that. And uh, so... We're really quite prepared now, I think, to, to take every precaution that we possibly can. And that's not to say it's not going to creep in because there is still a possibility, but we make sure that we're really mindful about that.
0: Is that a FIFA directive, to not be overly concerned with COVID?
1: Oh, look, I, I, I'm not sure. It's that's, that's the instructions we've had from OFC, um, and we obviously just have to abide by that. That's their decision. Um, you know, obviously we inside our environment can take all the precautions that we can and we'll continue to do that.
0: Look, that's one, I suppose, hassle or, or something to, a uh, hurdle to, to leap over on your way to uh, winning this <laughs> OFC World Cup qualifying event in Qatar. Uh, one of the other hurdles is trying to get your head around the logistics of picking a, a, a massive squad. Some are there at the beginning, some are there at the end and some are there for the whole time. Are you comfortable with who's turning up when and leaving when?
1: Yeah, well, look, we've got a we've got a pretty detailed um, schedule around player arrivals and departures. Um, so the the big thing for us is just how we connect as a group uh, off the pitch, and we've got some some really strong processes that we put in place, and how we build our culture and build the environment. Um, and that's been a real work in progress, and I think something that you know if people have watched the performances over the last sort of six to eight months, you know I think that's been a big factor behind that. Um, so when players come into the environment, we'll go through a process where we welcome them, we connect, uh, and and hopefully, you know that that they dividends as players come and go because it's it's quite an unusual um, uh, time, I guess for us, we've never had to do this before where you've got so much, disruption inside the squad. It's just something that we're going to have to deal with. We're aware that it was going to be this way. Um, So no excuses from our part.
0: So for the players that join on March 19, how soon will they be able to play? Will they be up and running, ready for the Fijian game on the 22nd?
1: Oh, look, we'll we'll just take um, each player as an individual. Uh, It'll depend. On, they last played, how many minutes they played, how they've travelled, how they feel after the travel, um, how well they've slept. Uh, you know, probably age will come into it as well. Uh, look, so there's multiple factors, and so we can't sort of you know tar everybody with the with the same brush. We need to we need to look at each individual, and our medical team, which is world class, um, will advise the coaching staff. Um, I'll speak to the players individually and we'll just make decisions based off the back of that.
0: Chris Wood is one of the guys who's arriving late. And we know Chris Wood. He, he loves the All-Whites. He loves representing New Zealand. How gutted is Chris Wood that he misses an All-Whites game?
1: Oh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a little bit dirty about that, no doubt about it. He is a man that absolutely loves pulling on that national team shirt, he loves representing his country loves scoring goals for his country. He's only a couple away from uh, Vaughan Coveney's records, so I know that, um, you know, back, 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 deep in the back of his mind, um, you know, that'll be there for him. And I'm sure he'll want to sort of uh, tick that box as quick as he possibly can. But, yeah, it goes without saying he's a a, a vital cog um, inside our side. Uh, The fact that he's made this big move to Newcastle, Uh, There's a huge amount of pressure and expectation on him inside that environment. Um, And he could easily, very easily, um, you know, sort of opt out of of potentially playing some of these games. But I think it says a lot about his character, the fact that um, even at the level that he's operating, that he desperately wants to play every single international for the all Whites, irrespective of where it is and who it's against.
0: He's an absolute national treasure, Danny. We're all very lucky to have Chris Wood uh, playing for the All-Whites. What, just quickly on him before we start um, looking at some other members of your All-Whites squad, uh, ones who are there and who aren't, what, what's been your assessment of Chris's start to his Newcastle United career?
1: Well, look, I'm, I'm probably very similar to Eddie Howe in terms of not just looking at um, you know the amount of goals he's scoring and. Think you've got to look at, at Woodsy and see what he does off the ball for the team and the work that he puts in. Um, you know, he's, he's for a big guy, he's pressing, trying to close down the opposition, not make it easy for them, close off those passing lanes. Um, but I think in possession, he's been a, a wonder for Newcastle um, in terms of just the way he can hold up the ball, and bring teammates into the game, connect with players. Um, but it was awesome to see him score that, that first goal, obviously, against Southampton and just get that sort of monkey off the back. Uh, it, was a, it was a big money move, as we all know. And, um, you know, centre forwards in particular get judged by, by their goals and their goal-scoring record. So that was awesome to see. Hopefully many more to come.
0: Yeah. Can't wait to see him in a white shirt for the all-whites uh, at the OFC World Cup qualifying campaign. Now, Danny, let's talk about some of the guys who aren't there. You mentioned Safarit Singh a little bit earlier on. Um, what's the state of his groin like? And, and how long is it going to take for him to recover from this injury? Because it seems to have been hung, hanging around for a little bit of time now.
1: Yeah, look, and that's, and that's probably why he, you know, we've collectively had to make this decision and I've really been quite strong with him about uh, how he manages that, how he looks after himself. Uh, the reality is, you know, for me, I've been through that sadly on, on multiple occasions, having had groin, eight, eight groin operations. So I know exactly what he's going through and what potentially could be the outcome if he if he doesn't try and sort it very quickly. Um, and it's not something that he can afford to, to take risks with. It's not something that he can actually play through. So the fact that he's now having a, a solid rest, um, going to Austria for, for world-class treatment, I think is really good. So look, I had a few texts with him a couple of nights ago. He said, the better he's going to start getting back into light running um, so hopefully you know over in Germany they they really manage this injury well they look after him um, because he's got a huge future in the game and he's so vitally important to us as everybody would be well aware um, so we need we need a 100% fit Saprit Singh the next time he comes back into into the camp hopefully that will be the intercontinental
0: playoff. What's the cause of his issue with the groin there, Danny? Is it anything to do with because like when he when he left the Wellington Phoenix, he bulked up significantly. It's got nothing to do with um, excessive weight gain in the gym. It's not something to do with like overtraining uh, away from football.
1: No, look, I, I, I'm not I'm not you know uh, a qualified physio or a, or, a, or a surgeon to make any sort of real assumptions around. I wouldn't that,
0: trust you on my body, mate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now from what I understand it's um, it's just an, it's just been an overuse injury. I think he he you know he, he got injured but then just continued to, to try and work through it both in, uh, on the training pitch and then with games and it's just progressively got worse so hopefully it's you know like I said it's not going to be something that hinders him long term but he needs to be really careful about uh, I guess some of the decisions he makes and and how quickly he comes back into playing. You know, a full 90-plus minutes.
0: Looking to the heart of defence, Michael Boxall isn't there, but there's kind of like a wee asterisk next to his name because he might play. What are the chances of Michael Boxall being involved in this World Cup qualifying campaign? Look, and, and
1: some of the, the tough decisions that we had to make, um, we tried to limit the amount of comings and goings that we possibly could and really put faith in some of the players that could be with us the entire time time uh, and people may or may not be aware that Boxy again has been struggling with um, an injury for some time now, uh, even last November and then January again when he came into the windows was anything but 100%. I think he sort of got uh, forced, not forced but encouraged to, to play the final series in the MLS last season when probably he could have done with the rest, uh, part and parcel of professional football unfortunately. So he's, he's feeling a lot better now. He's he's playing in the MLS. Um, the reality was, though, he wasn't going to get released until really quite late. And and knowing him and the amount of travel he would have had to have undertaken to get, he potentially would have only been available for one game. So, but we, like I said, initially, we, we decided to put our faith in players that uh, had the potential of being with us for longer periods of time and um, Should the worst happen and we pick up a couple of injuries, Boxy is, because he is such a good man and such a good Kiwi, um, is really prepared to jump on a player and support the team as as quickly as he possibly can.
0: What a legend. Just you talking about Sarpreet Singh and overuse of the groin and that that leads to his his issues there, and Michael Boxall having a a, a semi-long-term injury as well and, and keeping on playing through the pain. Where does the onus lie? Is it on the, the player themselves to say to the club, look, I'm actually in some, some strife here. I need some time off. Or should the, the duty of care be to the player's team and management and say, look, you're not right. You need to sit down for a bit, Danny.
1: Yeah, look, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's both. It's a, it's a two-way street. And I think it's particularly difficult for young players uh, to, to voice their concerns. And if we, you know, if we look at Sarpred in particular, he's really determined to to show what he is capable of in in Germany. He wants to play at the highest level that he can possibly. He wants to show that he's resilient, physically resilient, that he can keep backing up game after game. And that's just, again, like I said, uh, part and parcel of the expectations in a professional football environment. And it's tough, and that's where. Uh, Now, for young players in particular, it's very difficult to to be able to voice that. Uh, For older, more experienced players, and you look at somebody like Woodsy, he's the master of uh, really looking after himself and looking after his body and the work that he does off the pitch as much as on it, I think... um, you know, is a, a really good lesson for, for some of the young up-and-coming players that we have.
0: Absolutely. All right, Danny, let's take a look at what you've got coming up. Um, Saturday morning, early New Zealand time, up against Papua New Guinea. What are some of the team selection conundrums uh, that face you ahead of uh, picking a starting eleven?
1: Oh, yeah, look, look, a couple of things. Um, you know, I, I guess the arrival, arrival dates and arrival times has been a big part of it. So... Um, you know, the fact that we've had a group of players here that have been able to train, I think, is a fairly big factor. We've still got players arriving as late as uh, tonight, our time. Um, so somebody like Tommy Smith is arriving particularly late. Um, so a lot of that will go into, into um, selection decisions, as well as how they've trained over, the, over these last couple of days, um, the amount of game time they've had in their club environments of late, you know, are they capable of being able to play 60, 70, 90 minutes? We can only make a maximum of five substitutes. Um, so all of that, as well as coupled with you know, the opposition and what they're going to bring to the table. Uh, we know that they you know, are most likely to counter-attack us and counter-attack us with real pace with the likes of David Brown, Tommy Simi. They've got some, some quality players that uh, you know, most New Zealand football fans will be aware of. So there's, there's multiple things that are going to go into it. But ultimately, you know, I think the squad that we've been able to assemble, there's only 18 or 19 of us at the moment, um, you know, is still strong enough to, to win this game, to win this game well, should we put it forward?
0: If I ask you very, very nicely, and uh, you, you keep in mind that I'm a nice guy and, uh, you know, we know each other pretty well by now. Uh, if I ask you, um, have you decided upon your starting 11? Would you be kind enough to share it with me?
1: Not quite yet because we're still, we are still, we are still waiting on, you know, one or two players um, to train and they'll be training today. We'll just get a sense of, you know, how they're feeling and and make decisions based off the back of that. But, you know, it's fair to say some key, some key personnel that we've brought in that will definitely be be starting. So, you know, everything being equal, uh, somebody like Ollie Sale will make his, make his first start. Thing um, on Friday, our time. Obviously, Saturday morning for you guys. Uh, Winston Reid's turned up in fantastic shape, which has been really good to see. Um, as I said earlier, Costa Barbarusis has trained incredibly well and looking sharp. And it's great to see he's back from injury now. So look, there's some there's some key personnel that will that will definitely be starting. Um, you just have to wait and see what the full starting eleven is in a couple of days.
0: Well, I, I tried, uh, you know, and you, you can't blame a guy for trying, can you? Hey, um, you mentioned Ollie Sale and Gold, Danny. Uh, have you checked on the, uh, the, the, the mental health of Stefan Marinovic? Because he squeezed him out of the Phoenix, he's going to squeeze him out of the All-Whites as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> actually, actually, uh, as, as much as we do joke about that, even Stefan, uh, that's, I think, a great space that we're in, that we've got genuine competition. Um, quality players in every single position. I don't think we've ever had the depth or quality in, in particularly in the goalkeeper position that we do now. Mm. Um, so Stefan's well aware of that. He's uh, He was meant to arrive on the 24th of a sudden arriving at 9am on the 20th now because I think he's uh, starting to get a little concerned that Ollie may perform really well. But look, ollie has um, been in, in incredible form for the Phoenix um, ever since since that number one spot. Um, And he fully deserves his opportunity in these first couple of games to show us what he's capable of in terms of international level.
0: Danny, you're in Group B, you've got New Caledonia, you've got Fiji, Papua New Guinea. How difficult has it been to scout these island nations over the course of the last year or so? Because they haven't been playing many games, have they?
1: Yeah, look, it's been, uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been virtually impossible. And I think that's something we generally pride ourselves on is uh, the analysis that we can present to the players on the opposition, um, strengths and weaknesses, um, how we can nullify their strengths, how we can hurt them um, with how they set up as well, how they defend. But look, it has been very, very difficult because they haven't been playing. Um, we've got to go back multiple years. And, and obviously, yeah. a number of their personnel have changed. Coaches have changed. Um, but look, I think I think one thing will be for certain that... Um, a lot of teams will probably get numbers behind the ball against us and they will look to counter. And, you know, I named a couple of players for Papua New Guinea earlier, um, David Brown and Tommy Semy, that, you know, are a real threat in that regard. So just making sure that our balance uh, and what we term as our attacking shape, how we attack, um, our setup up behind the ball is, is really, really good. We don't want to come unstuck by, um, by being caught on, uh, on counter.
0: We actually spoke with Tommy Simi last week on the show and um, we, we spoke briefly about 2016, the IFC Nations Cup final in Port Moresby, Papua New Guinea versus the All Whites New Zealand. And PNG probably should have won that game in regulation or in extra time. They went to penalties and the All Whites win 4-2. They are still hurting Papua New Guinea from that episode six years ago. They're going to use it as motivation. How do you use that in the lead up to this game on Saturday?
1: Oh, look, no, no doubt it'll be mentioned. Um, I think we've still got a couple of players from that campaign, but at the same time, we've we've changed significantly. Obviously, you know, part of that campaign, um, the vast majority of our players weren't part of that campaign. We've got a young, energetic side, as, as you'll be aware. Um, yes. Well, it, it'll be talked about, no doubt. That, um, the, that the opposition, Papua New Guinea, and all the teams that we're going to face, have some serious threats. Like they are, there's some good players in, in their mix. So, you know, any sort of complacency that we allow to creep into the environment is, you know, we're going to get punished, and that's just the just the reality of it. I've played uh, as a player enough against island teams. I've coached against island teams at under-17 level. The minute you take them for granted, the minute the minute you allow complacency to, to creep in, um, the minute you give them a leg up, things are going to get really, really difficult. They have some some quality players that actually could and should be playing in professional football environments. They just need to be given the opportunity, a bit like our Kiwi players as well.
0: You said earlier that the All Whites are favourites to win this tournament. So if we if we take that logic, we've got the All Whites in a final, winning, of course, against who? Who looms as the biggest threat to the All Whites in this qualifying campaign.
1: Look, that obviously remains to be seen, and this is this is the reality of, uh, of a tournament environment. Even teams that potentially can look really good at the start of a tournament, uh, you get to you get to a semi final, and you know you have one poor performance, uh, a bad refereeing decision, um, somebody making a mistake as a player. You know, potentially given a bad pass away or getting sent off, something like that. Things can change very quickly. But uh, look, I think I think teams like the Solomon Islands are going to be very strong, and they're obviously on the other side of the, of, of the group. Um, we still haven't seen enough of the teams that we're playing against, but we know that. You know, if you look at you look at Fiji, uh, with somebody like Roy Krishner as well, uh, they're well coached. So their coach, who took Papua New Guinea back in two thousand sixteen, will have them very, very organised. They'll show courage with how they play. So, look, we know where we're going to be up against it in terms of a single team that we play against is going to want to knock us off. They're going to want to take our scalp. So we have to be prepared for that. We have to show courage with the way we want to play and stick to our processes um, and not allow, um, I guess, things on the outside, whether that be conditions, referee decisions, whatever it is, to, to affect our performance.
0: I'm glad you mentioned referees because I, w- I was going to talk about them. Because uh, you know, in some of those games against Curacao, Bahrain, the Gambia, there was some—how uh, should we put it—some dubious officiating. Uh, what what promises have been made in this OFC World Cup qualifying campaign that um, the officiating will, will be better, Danny? Uh, zero
1: promises. Oh. So I'm- I'm being honest. But this is like I get I think uh, we've got to be really mindful that we've just got to focus on the things that we can control. And I think how the players and, and myself and the staff react to refereeing decisions will obviously can either affect us negatively or positively. So we just need to stick again to, to the things that we know we can control Um and the refereeing decisions is certainly one that that we can't. But I just hope that you know, and we got presented to by the by by the head of the refereeing um, board there at OFC yesterday. And the one thing for me is just making sure that we're looking after player welfare and player safety, so that you know, if there's any sort of tackles that are a little bit um, over the top, that they're going to be you know sort of clamped down on pretty much straight away.
0: I suppose conditions come uh, under the player safety umbrella as well. And in those um, international friendlies we saw last year, you were playing in some stifling conditions. Uh, it, it was just before Christmas, and obviously temperatures were a, a lot hotter than they are now. What are conditions expected to be throughout this tournament?
1: Yeah, look, it's been, it's, it has been—it really has been varying over the last couple of days. I think it's forecast for a really mild 25 degrees on Friday. Um which is which is really pleasing, obviously, from our perspective, um, because the players are playing in fairly cold environments at the moment, particularly in like of Europe. Um, so look, it's 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 a little bit of an unknown. The, some of the days have got up to you know mid to late thirties. Um, so hopefully we get a little bit lucky in that regard. Uh, obviously the the island nations are, are used to playing in quite hot, humid temperatures. Um, so that would be, I guess, something that it would be a benefit for them if, a, if the conditions did change like that. Um, that said, again, it's just another thing that, that we can't control and we just have to deal with that. We've, we've had enough experience in October and November with really quite tough, stifling conditions. And obviously those players that were there with us at the Olympics in Japan uh, had to work their way through that as well. So, so no excuses on that, on that front.
0: All right. Well, look, you know, and I know, and pretty much everybody else knows that the All-Whites are favourite for this qualifying campaign. But let's prepare ourselves for the worst-case scenario. What happens if you don't win this qualifying tournament? I mean, the obvious one is we don't progress to the Intercontinental Playoff. But what are the ramifications of an All-Whites team that doesn't progress past this point in qualifying?
1: I, I don't come home. That's probably that's probably the first thing. <laughs> Look, it's the reality is it's you know that's that's it's we're in a tournament and and things can happen, but we have to we have to take a positive mindset into it. Where when we want to win, um, so we just need to stick to to that. And the reality is, you know, if that doesn't occur, then we just have to deal with the, with the fallout. But from my point of view, it's you know as long as we uh, are connected as a group and stay strong and not let any of the, the white noise on the outside or other things that we can't control get in our way, then you know, then we'll perform to the level that we're capable of.
0: Don't worry, mate. It'll be OK. And, and, look, I need you to come back home, Danny, because the studio was so empty and lonely without you. It's great to have you on the call from Qatar, but I'd rather have you here sitting next to me. Look, um, once you get through this this qualifying campaign... And you're up against a, a CONCACAF nation. It might be Panama. It might be Costa Rica. H- how much have you allowed yourself to think of and dream of that intercontinental one-off game?
1: Oh, look! It, uh, I'd be lying if I said it, it wasn't in the back of the mind. Uh, we obviously have to focus, you know, one hundred percent on the job at hand, which is getting through this qualifying campaign. But once, you know, once we get there, and, and fingers crossed, we do. Um, You know, I've watched a fair bit of the likes of Panama in particular because they'd had a couple of uh, big games against Curacao. So, obviously, when we're doing our analysis work ahead of that, we've got to look at Panama a fair bit. So, look, we're aware that, um, you know, any side coming out of CONCACAF are going to be match-hardened. They've got quality players that play in good environments around the world. Uh, we just got to, from, from my perspective, probably hope that Mexico and, and USA do their job over the next couple of uh, next couple of fixtures and, and qualify automatically. That said, if they don't, then you know I think we've got a squad that, that goes into games fearing nobody. Um, so we're we're quite happy to take on whoever we get to face.
0: The penultimate question for the Kiwi football fix today for you, Danny. Penultimate. That means there's one more to come, of course. For those who don't know what it means, I actually had to look it up in the dictionary. So um, that's why I've used it today. But um, the penultimate question is, do you have a squad good enough at your disposal to make it back to Qatar in November for the World Cup?
1: Oh, 100% I think we do. I think we've got a, a group of players that are starting to obviously gel, get time together on the pitch and off the pitch. You know, a really good mix of some experienced um, players that have played at the highest level, been through big matches before with this exciting um, group of young talent that is starting to emerge. Um, so look, I, I 100% think we do. I think we've got the depth now. Even if we were to, to lose a couple of players to, to injury or to, to other things such as COVID, um, I'm still confident that we can give whoever whoever we come up against, whether it's in this tournament or beyond, uh, a really, really, really good run for their money.
0: And finally, Danny, and that's great to hear, finally, the last question, the, the ultimate question for Danny on the Kiwi Football Fix. Football fans on Friday night, Saturday morning, they've got a little bit of a conundrum, a little bit of a, a, an issue to solve. There's, uh, and I'm, I'm wondering, how, how should we approach it? Because we've got the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League, and that gets underway at 9.45pm up against the Newcastle Jets. Then there's the All Whites PNG at 3am. How, how would you handle this if you were back home? What would you do?
1: I'd just have a little nap during the day and then do an all-nighter. No, no nothing wrong with it, surely. I can have a little sleep then after that.
0: <laughs> Danny Hay, all-nighter. Danny, it's been awesome to catch up on the Kiwi Football Fix today, man. Uh, I wish you all the best. Not that you need luck or anything like that. Your quality alone will see you through this OFC World Cup qualifying campaign. Good luck for it, though, anyway. And thanks so much for your time, mate. Appreciate it.
1: Good on you, Goran. Thanks for having me on.
0: Good to hear from Danny Hay. And yeah, it's a massive Friday night, Saturday morning. Phoenix on Friday night. All whites up against PNG on Saturday morning, 3 o'clock. We've got it all on Sky Sport. Enjoy the football and we'll see you next time on the Kiwi Football Fix.